Hello, this is Craig Assad, and welcome to Hearth Talk. In today's episode, I'll talk about how we developed the half kettle, a kettle for fireplace inserts that we ended up getting a United States patent on. Also, enjoy the background music. It's from some friends of mine, Charlie and Richie Ingui from The Soul Survivors. Enjoy. U.S. Patent Number 5,320,246 describes a truncated kettle adapted for use as a steamer. We called this simply the half kettle. This idea came to us when we operated a retail store. Customers constantly came in and purchased tea kettles for use on their wood stoves, both for the atmosphere and the moisture and the scent. They would put potpourri in the boiling water. It would make the house smell nice. However, our customers who purchased fireplace inserts from us, these are units which slip back into fireplace, uh, would come in and tell us that none of the kettles would fit on the small ledge, typically four to five inches. So they had taken to using bread pans and things like that, setting in their living room on top of their fireplace insert extension and filling that with water. So we had the idea that, boy, somebody should make a kettle that fits on that, a kettle or a steamer that fits on that small ledge. Although it was my first patent, I can't take full credit for either the idea or the execution. It was something, a, a group effort. Uh, my wife Martha was involved, as was a good friend of ours, Richard Brown, who is an inventor himself, patent holder, and salesman in the hearth industry. And two of his friends, Jerry Crow and Del Connor, uh, Del also being an artist who created the designs on Pennsylvania firebacks and a number of other similar uh, museum type art pieces. So we thought about making this half kettle. And one day when it was slow, our installers uh, were hanging around the store with nothing to do. So I went to one of my installers and I said, Dave, take this cast iron full kettle and get that cut saw, get a good blade for it, and, and cut about half of it off. We want to see how this thing is, is going to look and, and how it might operate. So Dave took a cut saw, cut off maybe three-eighths of the kettle, left about five-eighths of it, and then fashioned a piece of sheet metal to close off the flat side of it and siliconed that on there and brought it in to me to take a look at it. And we were like, oh, that, that's, uh, that, that's how all there is just about to coming up with a prototype. <laughs> and by looking at the prototype, uh, both by showing it to some folks and setting it on some of the inserts in our showroom, we were able to determine what other features would need to be built into such a kettle. One of these features was a spout which directed the steam away from the fireplace insert and the fireplace out into the room so that it wouldn't get rust or steam on the panels that surround the uh, fireplace insert. Another little trick was that we had to build in certain stops to the handle so that when you lifted this kettle up or when you filled it up, the weight of the water did not make the kettle tilt in one direction or another. And of course, the, it would have been very unwieldy, hard to handle, hard to set down on the ledge of the fireplace insert. So we built the stop into the handle, which, which was one of the uh, patented claims also. We also built a tight-fitting lid that, that helped 
also make sure that steam was not going to escape out the rear of it and rust out the panels. When we were done with this basic research and development, I might call it, prototyping, we made a decision to go ahead with this kettle and I entered into a partnership with uh, myself owning 50% of the company and the combination of Richard, Jerry and Dell owning the other 50%. Uh, the understanding was that I would do a lot of the shipping, uh, a lot of the marketing, I would get the patent, and uh, everybody else would have their job to do. Um, Richard Brown was also in sales and marketing. Dell and Jerry were both creative people that uh, helped with designs of the kettle itself, Dell doing most of the work on that, and Jerry also doing sales and marketing. So we went over a number of designs uh, Dell mocked up and sketched up a bunch of different kettle designs based on mostly existing uh, aesthetics and uh, we looked at them long and hard and we decided to go with a design that was uh, relatively generic I mean we had come up with designs that had the moon on the front and that had stars on the top and they're very nice designs but we just felt well this is going to exclude some people some people might see witchcraft in this design or see something else in in this design and we figured a in the future uh, maybe maybe we would come up with some specialty designs but uh, but we should originally uh, do a do a nice generic kettle and the the kettle that Dell came up with uh, turned out to be very nice it had very nice rounded corners looked it looked as nice as any kettle on the market and that same kettle is still being sold today by Condar Company. You can see the half kettle at their site, condar.com. Anyway, we basically, with inventions, you run parallel tracks. Uh, you start with your patent, and then you, at the same time, you work with the development of your product uh, to get it to manufacture. So uh, you know, we went ahead with the patent application with the idea that whether we patented it or not, whether we finally got the patent, we were going to market and manufacture this kettle anyway. Once the mold was made, in order to make a casting like a kettle, you, you must make first a, what we call a master pattern, which is basically the kettle itself carved out of wood. And we finally had a master pattern to deal with. And you bring that to the foundry uh, or to a pattern maker shop, and then they will use that as a basis to make a mold that can then be pressed into sand and molten metal poured into that mold to create the kettle. Now a casting like a kettle is a little bit more intricate than most stove castings because it has a hollow center. In other words, it has a large area that, uh, that holds water. Um, in the foundry trade, this type of casting is called a core casting, C-O-R-E casting, because you have this central core. So uh, you must not only make a mold for the outside of the tea kettle, you must make a whole other series of molds that create the inside of the kettle. And one mold is put inside the other mold, core is created and, and set inside, and then the hot metal is poured in and it only fills the space which you know as the kettle. Core burns out or melts out after that metal is poured and that creates the hollow area where you put the water. So we went ahead and 
produce the first hundred or so kettles. We produced these at Hamburg Manufacturing up in Hamburg, Pennsylvania, a very nice foundry, family-owned, who also does a lot of work, uh, the Pennsylvania firebacks uh, for the stove and heating business and a number of other uh, businesses. And they use an electric furnace to melt their iron, so they're uh, relatively environmentally friendly as far as a, a foundry goes. And I remember we watched the, the actual castings of the first kettles. It was very interesting seeing them make up the molds and the cores, pour the iron in them, and then uh, shake off the sand when the, when the iron had melted. And uh, we got our first order, 100 kettles, sort of as a sample order. And they, I think they painted them black. And Richard Brown loaded them in the trunk of his car and brought them over to one of my warehouses in Medford, New Jersey. And I remember we took these kettles out and we packaged them and, and made, you put the handles on, put a little instruction, a little sheet as to, as to how we created this and thought of this kettle. And we went ahead and we sold them. But there were two problems with this initial 100 kettles. Um, being made out of cast iron, uh, they were very heavy for shipping and, and things like that. And also for somebody lifting, and, and once they filled with water, it was even heavier. And secondly, a cast iron kettle will tend to rust. The paint uh, on the inside will burn off or flake off, and, and even on the outside, once a, once a bunch of steam hits it. So we weren't totally happy with the product with the first um, the 100 kettles. So we decided to convert the production of the half kettle to cast aluminum. Aluminum is a more expensive metal, but there are a lot of advantages. Uh, it doesn't rust. Uh, it's very lightweight. It's easy to machine and drill. In other words, drill the handles, the holes for the, uh, the handle for the kettle, and, and things like that. So we found a foundry in Pennsylvania that gave us a good price. It was definitely going to cost more than the cast iron. But at the same time, we felt that the final product would be worth more. Uh, we also were able to then make the kettle in two finishes. The foundry made a finish that we'll call a pewter finish, where the aluminum kettle was put into a large bin with shot in it and turned like a um, rock tumbler. So the, the kettle was put into a bin with shot and turned and turned similar to the way a rock tumbler um, makes a piece of jewelry or a rock smooth, the same tumbling effect would made the outside of the kettle relatively smooth and gave it a bit of a hammered or a bit of a pewter look. And the other way we took the casting was standard sand casting, where the outside of the kettle is a little bit rough. It looks like a piece of cast iron. And then we would spray paint that black, and that did look very much like a cast iron kettle with the advantage of not rusting and also being lighter. So now that we finally had our production models, we got around to the business of selling these kettles, and we sold quite a few. As I remember, maybe 2,000 or so the first year, stepping up to 3,000 or so for the couple of years after that. Production and shipping did not take very much time at all. The kettles were shipped to my warehouse almost finished. Basically, we had to 
paint the black ones and uh, put them in the boxes and ship them and put the handles with them. So it, it wasn't a whole lot of work. At the same time, that those relatively small sales were not making us rich either, although we paid ourselves back all the development patent money and uh, we're actually making a profit. After a couple years of this, it turned out that both myself and my partners had other endeavors that we wanted to put more attention and energy into, and we felt that uh, this invention had possibilities, but it would need someone that spent more time and energy marketing it. And so we ended up selling the patent, the rights, the molds, and all of the efforts to Condar Company, which is a well-known company in the hearth industry, and uh, the, the folks at Condor are still making this kettle today. Uh, I've spoke to them over the years at the trade shows about their sales volume, and they have assured me that they are doing very, very well. They are, are very happy with the kettle, and, of course, that makes me feel good. Uh, so that's the story of the invention of the tea kettle. While it didn't make any of us uh, uh, millionaires, it, we did get a, a solid patent, uh, brought a product to market, sold it, uh, enjoyed it, and the product is still on the market today. Thank you.